0: Happy Monday, kitty cats. And if you are listening to this program today, then I know that you are a person who cares about their liberty. It's also a pretty good chance that you're pretty tired of waiting around for political change, tired of being duped by political parties and politicians, filling you with hope and then never coming through. Well, guess what? If you're ready to take matters into your own hands, then I want to tell you about an amazing community called the Nomad Network. This is the number one community for liberty-minded people just like you who want to create freedom in their lifetime by focusing on entrepreneurship, investment, and income mobility. I have personally been involved with this group for some time now. I hopped on because I got into a stage in my life where I realized that I was ready to take things to the next level. I was sick of just talking about my liberty, and I wanted to take action to actually achieve that liberty. And The Nomad Network has been an incredible hub for doing just that. You got people in there posting their Ws, uh, talking about their businesses, helping each other out, hiring each other for jobs. It truly is an amazing network. It is a little bit of that building the arc that we talk about so much, building that next pathway, building that community so that we can thrive while the rest of the world just burns around us or does whatever it's going to do. Whether you already have an existing business idea or you just want to network with like minded people, the Nomad Network is the place for you and you can join for free right now by heading over to www.nomadnetwork.app lions. Use that link. Get a free account on us. Again, you got to use the www there. It's just a little technical thing, but you got to hit www.nomadnetwork.app slash lions. We'll see you in there. We need to empower people. With not just the philosophical break free from the system. Welcome to the flagship Alliance
1: of Liberty Podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds of the Liberty movement.
0: If you want the liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen.
1: Your guide, your shining beacon of liberty,
0: Mark Clair. All right, kitty cats, with me today is a gentleman I've gotten to know over the last year or so pretty well, mostly through his podcast, which is called "You're Talking Over Me." I'm pleased to welcome Adam Patrick. Adam, are you ready to roar? <laughs> all right, Adam, I, I had a feeling you would be. You're actually a member of the pride as well, so you're you're roaring with us all the time here. And I got my mug. Oh, nice. 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 All right. So you're legit. You're not just one of those, you know, those, those paper, paper fans. Yeah. We're not playing around. signs up to say, and then you actually, you walk the walk and drink the drink. It's good to see. So Adam, we can kind of start things wherever it makes the most sense for you. I've really been enjoying uh, your interviews and your approach to I say these ideas, we'll talk about what these ideas exactly are. Uh, but you've definitely, I'd say, you've at least journeyed through libertarianism, if nothing else, I would say. So, But yeah, I'll let you take it away from wherever you think makes the most sense for you. Where do you want to begin your journey? Where's the story of Adam Patrick begin other than, uh, you know, through starry looks in your parents' eyes?
1: <laughs> well, you know, th- those starry looks kind of led to a-, a pretty good upbringing, man. I mean, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I, I feel like the those of us who were between the ages of like, Thirty-five and forty-five, we have this one foot in the analog age and one foot in the digital age. That kind of gives a a good amount of perspective that helps us sort of pull back and, and look at the world a certain way. Um, so, yeah, I'm growing up playing the dirt, playing sports, but we also had basically a library in my house because my father was a tenured humanities professor. So I read a lot and and was very creative. In my free time, as, as well as like being an actual child who like stayed out late in the dark and got dirty. So I, I always considered myself kind of like a, I, w- I wouldn't have known what the word anarchist was growing up, but definitely like fuck authority, don't tell me what to do, like terrible student. Like the only reason I even graduated high school is because my SATs were like in the 1500s, but I barely went mm-hmm. and it was more about smoking weed and chilling with my friends or whatever. And, you know, um, And then, you know, 9-11 happened and I happened to be dating somebody who was in the military. She was actually in basic training when 9-11 happened. And my impetus for joining the military was just, well, it seems like something we could do to be together now that clearly we're going to be at war rather than peacetime. And so I just did that as a, a way to make money and be with her. And man, was that like an interesting experience that we probably don't have a lot of time to get into, but it really left me with a, a really bad taste in my mouth for the state and war and just awful bureaucracy and sociopathic murders. And so I started reading a little bit of um, a little bit of economics in there ended up getting out and, and getting my degree in economics from uh, South Florida, university of South Florida. And that I don't remember if it was Thomas soul that got me into looking up kind of libertarian ideas but definitely around that 2007 time, I was one of the Ron Paul guys. I saw him you know, in those debates, lambasting Rudy Giuliani, and really started to like define what my worldview was going to be off of that. And read Rothbard, read Mises, read Hayek, and then really didn't do anything else with those ideas until two years ago, a year and a half ago. Right? It would... Spend a lot of time on social media. Hmm, what people.
0: happened around that time? Let
1: me, let yeah, this me weird thing, there was like this uh, little bug, I guess, a germ. I really don't know how to explain it. I probably the probably you know, I've never heard of it.
0: it the sniffles.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I read about it in the newspaper and it's kind of an obscure thing. But um, yeah, it, it's, it, I guess I'd always kind of, c- because I was owning and operating bars and restaurants for the whole time basically between getting out of the military and and now. Um, it didn't really leave me a lot of time to explore ideas other than going on like Facebook here and there and maybe reading something occasionally. So I didn't really work through what libertarianism is was to me really. And then, you know, COVID was like that. My restaurant got shut down. My industry got shut down. Everybody around me started acting like a crazy person. And, and that's kind of what led me to, well, I have all this free time. Let me just start a podcast and start talking to people, and I didn't even know this was really a thing. Like I knew you existed, Jason, and uh, Jason Stapleton, and um, and Dave Smith, and Tom Woods, and I think I found Pete Quinones, probably either through you or through Dave, and Pete had on Curtis Yarvin and Ben Armani, and all of these ideas just started going off in my head, and I'm like, I have to talk to people about this. How do I talk to people about this? And so I just started a show and figured, well, you know, I don't know anybody in the Liberty space really. So I'll talk to restaurant people and, and see what they have to say about this. Cause that, that's, those are my people. And then slowly I started coming on Twitter and meeting people and Hey, do you want to have a conversation? Would you like to have a conversation? And, you know, I didn't know them. They didn't know me, but we started kind of building up a rapport and I started to really work through these ideas in real time. And well, that's been a ride. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's safe to say. If you build it, they will speak. That That's pretty much how it works. It's not people like, well, I don't know anybody. I can't start a podcast. How are people going to talk to me? You just do it. And then you say you have a podcast and then they go, oh, this guy has a podcast. Sure. I'll mm-hmm. talk to him. It's actually that simple.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, and I didn't, I, I had Twitter since like 2012, but I've never used it. I mean, it would like for a while it updated just from my Facebook post. It would just auto update. And then it just stopped doing that. So really my only interactions on Twitter were started maybe like a year ago, year and a half ago. And I'm I realized I didn't really know how to use that very well either. So a, a it, it's been a very interesting learning experience to be immersed in this community and kind of kind of see the divides and the splits of like ideology or theory versus praxis you know, religion versus atheism, uh, LP versus, you know, lowercase L libertarians, like really, really seeing all of these, these dynamics happening in real time. Uh, it's been a absolutely weird learning experience, but I think that's helped me kind of work through my ideas. So I I appreciate everybody, even if we don't talk anymore, I appreciate your help through that. And, um, and hopefully I've been able to say something of value to people. Uh, I I think I have. And, and it'll be weird, you know, 18 months from now to see where where these ideas go. I'm, I'm kind of excited for that journey.
0: Yeah, that's what I really do enjoy about your approach and what I enjoy about listening to your interviews, because and let's be honest, maybe I'm partially responsible for this, but a lot of like, quote unquote, libertarian shows. I know you, you don't brand yourself in that way at all, but, you know. We, they've gotten into this rut of just sort of repeating the same mantras, repeating the same things over and over. I will not exclude Lions of Liberty from that, at least up until eh, a year and a half or so ago, I would say. Um, but I mean, if, if if you're not at least reexamining your worldview after the last year and mm. a half, at least your approach to life, your approach to politics, your approach to communication, to philosophy, then I don't know what to say. And that's what I really enjoy about your show, because you can tell it really is like a real-time journey through the mind of Adam Patrick. Um, I'm curious how you came up with the name, because I was talking to you off-air the other week, and, uh, and I, I I literally, like, I have this crazy brain that is always trying to fire off, and it's difficult for me in conversations, and I, I do this a lot, and I have to apologize to people a lot. I do talk over people. That's, like, a thing I do, and when I'm not talking over someone, like, even when you were speaking, you know, telling us just a whole story a few minutes ago, I had to stop myself a number of times, like, no, no, don't speak. Let the man speak, and I, this is something I've struggled with all throughout my career, quote unquote, as, as a podcaster is having to hold myself back and stop myself from talking over people. So I'm just kind of curious where the name of the podcast came
1: from. Well, you know, there's there's two really obvious questions I always expected people to ask me when, especially when they see me on a video. And that's one of them. And no one's ever asked me that question. In, <laughs> see, I'm here for the basic bitch questions that, they, no, that it, you think it, I've been waiting me. for that for a year and a half and no one's ever asked me. Um, so the genesis of that was my ex-girlfriend used to say that to me all the time. Oh, used, there you like, go. So you're, you're, mad talking my over me. you're always talking over me. Stop talking over me. And, <laughs> and I thought it was, I, I would always chuckle because what, what does that even mean? You know, like, I, sure. I guess that's a thing, you know, but like she also did it. Like other Who people actually has the
0: right to speak at any one moment. You know?
1: uh, it's, I don't know. It's just a, it's something somebody says when they don't really have anything better to say. So it, it it's, <laughs> I, I took it as kind of a joke, but I also realized that, you know, in, in an ironic way we don't do that on the show. Like we, we always have very like cordial conversations and really try to work through things together. Um, and, and, and so, and and the third thing is the way I worded it, it makes it kind of hard to find organically, which means that people kind of have to put in some effort to track it down. You know, if I did like purposeful. Yeah. If I did like Liberty with Adam, it's really easy. You know, I've had people say like, I I've, I've spelled your show wrong a hundred times. I can't find it anywhere like good uh, you got to work yeah it's kind of like a little gatekeeping you know like 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 you have to work for it a little bit because i I know i don't want a hundred thousand people listening to the show because that means it's probably terrible you know so i mean for me anyway not that hating anybody else who has that many listeners but i don't i don't want that i mean for the most
0: part to to appeal to a mass audience you have to speak and and relate ideas in a in a mass audience way. And Mm -hmm. if you really want to have deep, interesting conversations, you really do have to niche down into, and to speak in certain ways and to explore subjects in certain ways that, that just aren't going to, at least for, for what's going to interest me, that stuff's not going to appeal to a mass audience, at least, you know, not at this, not at this stage and not, not where we are in this era.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I totally get why people do it, you know, not not everybody can be a Joe Rogan. He's very, very specific in what he does. But uh, the last thing I want to do is be a Tim pool. And and, and Tim Pool is very successful at what he does. Uh, And maybe if I needed money, maybe I would go that route. But it's just this is really more of an intellectual hobby for me. And and I, you know, diluting that with like a bunch of bad ideas isn't going to help me or the people listening to the show. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, you know what is going to help you? You know, what has helped me might even help Adam. I don't know if he's ever tried it or not. We didn't discuss that. But I'm talking about CBD. CBD is a wonderful product extracted from the cannabis plant, but does not contain that THC that gets you high. It only contains some other amazing stuff. And I can't even tell you what, because I'm not really that technical about this stuff. I just know that I get my CBD products from our friends, Carlos and Vanessa Abelar over at CBD.com. That is Paloma Verde, not Verde, Brian McWilliams, uh, but if you are a fan of CBD or if you've just been thinking about trying it out, I know they have so many, they have CBD in so many different varieties. You, My favorite are the gummies. The gummies are absolutely delicious, but you can get these tinctures, uh, these salves. Uh, there are so many different ways to consume CBD products. But if you've ever had sore muscles, sore joints, aches and pains, insomnia, stress, uh, does this stuff sound familiar to you guys? I'm sure everybody out there has at least experienced one or two of those things. And I can tell you, CBD helps. With all of them. So head over to PalomaverdeCBD.com. Help our friends Carlos and Vanessa Avalar by supporting their small business. Help this podcast and help yourselves by using discount code ROAR at checkout. That will get you 25% off any order over $75, as well as free shipping. What a freaking deal. Again, head over to PalomaverdeCBD.com. Use discount code ROAR at checkout. All right. Now you've been kind of, uh, I don't know how, how would you say it? Scorched earth lately. I would say it would be one, one, one really? way to put it on Twitter a little bit, a little bit, maybe not scorched, maybe just, you know, singeing the earth a little bit, but mm. I, I mean, you've been pretty fired up out there. I, I think it's safe to say. And I, I, I I'm not going to go on into any specifics, but I, I think it's clear that you have maybe gotten fed up with a lot of what a lot of libertarians are out there saying um, and a lot of people's approach to these concepts. So I just want to kind of dive into, again, wherever it makes the most sense for you to start, when did the the cracks in the armor of, of the libertarian philosophy or the libertarian approach, whichever one you might say, when did those start? To appear for you, and and when did you start to think, well, maybe maybe all those things I believed over the last ten years, either I need to reexamine them or I need to look at things in a different way. Like you know, how how did that actually play out? Gu- guide me through the journey here.
1: Well, you know, I I I think I always had a problem with libertarianism in some respects. I just I thought it was a me problem, not a libertarianism problem. So when I would you know in the early 2000s when I would go on Facebook and even in the Jason Stapleton Facebook group, which was kind of like the genesis of this, um, I would see these minarchist versus anarchist arguments, and I would find myself—I don't want to say siding with the minarchists, but kind of seeing something there that was interesting to me. But I felt like they were coming at the argument from the wrong for the wrong reasons. You know, almost saying like, uh, like, like not understanding the other side of it, and and I didn't really know why that was. I I thought it was just me. Like I'm I'm not getting it. And so like the people I would talk to, I'd be like, just, you know, just convince me of anarchism, convince me of voluntarism. Like, you know, why am I not, why am I still kind of sympathetic to the minarchist point of view? Because I don't think it's for the same reason they are. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it, I only have so much time to kind of explore that. And that group got a little messy. And, you know, I just decided. It got to so le- messy
0: that he shut the thing down. <laughs> I, yeah. I was in that group as well.
1: Which is the best. I mean, so many of us were too. And and um, And, and so when I had the opportunity to kind of, jump into Twitter and meet people, I guess I was still kind of exploring those ideas as well. And, and some people are really, really into that really into hardcore philosophy and like dissecting ideas down and, and even looking at religion exegetically or, you know, not blind faith, but just looking at the reason for things. Like I really want to explore these things in depth. And I found myself just unfortunately gravitating away from people who had no interest in doing that and and probably the best way to do that would have been to just silently kind of leave you know but um that wasn't exactly the case so i mean whatever that maybe maybe getting angry and like calling people out isn't the best thing to do but you know, it yeah, makes the up.
0: nature of social media in many ways. And, and it happens to even those of us who are aware of it, even those of us who might say, oh, social media is not the best because you know people tend to fire off emotionally. And then I look at some of my tweets, I'm like, all right, well, mm-hmm. I guess I do that too sometimes.
1: I, I, I would say I, I probably got a little bit too deep, deeply involved with a particular community that I didn't vet very well. And that's not a knock on them, it's, it's more of a knock on me for not realizing kind of that wasn't where I belonged. And, and, and not allowing myself to get so deep into it. So it, it just kind of came to a head where I said, you know, we're, we're this is going to be a divorce. I'm going to go my way. You're going to go your way and, and kind of leave it there. And what expedited that was realizing that people were just blocking me on Twitter randomly. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm this is before I thought I was saying anything really incendiary. I'm just making points about my ideas. And then, you know, I, I heard somebody kind of just attack post libertarianism or whatever the fuck that means. And, and I just went, all right, enough with this fucking enough with this. Like, let's just put an end to it right now. I said something on Twitter to somebody, nothing personal, just, you know, I don't like what you did. And, uh, and that just sealed the deal. So now, now I don't have to, uh, I don't have to see any of that anymore. And my life is much more beautiful for it. And, you know, they can do what they do and I'll do what I do. And, and everybody's happy.
0: There is this interesting phenomenon in the, um, the libertarian community, if you if you want to call it that, or probably in in any community that has a bunch of people who are very zealous about their ideas, overzealous, you might say. Again, including myself for much of my time in in this in this realm here, um, where if you're you get involved in the community, you start to discuss the ideas, uh, and then if you start to question certain aspects of things not even not even you know going against them just questioning you know just just starting to bring in new ideas starting to question certain concepts saying is this the right approach is that the right approach anybody who is wedded to that approach or that particular idea that you're not even necessarily criticizing fully but even again just questioning you start to see people lash out and kind of attack you not, I, i'm saying you generically i speak of mm-hmm. anybody who does this happens with um to sort of attack you as an, an apostate as almost like a traitor in it and you can see it's in a very in in the same way i'm not saying it's exactly the same but it reminds me of the way that um like the way we see covid people attack each other you know the way we see people attack each other over vaccines it's maybe not as extreme but it's the same thing it's the same basic thing it's it's you're not in my group you said you were in my group and but now you're now you're speaking out you're speaking out against the religion you're speaking out against the doctrination so now we have to reject you now we have to attack you because to engage in some kind of you know dialogue would give at least some kind of legitimacy or at least suggest that maybe there's something worth discussing here and and we just can't have that because this is it's a doctrine it's not uh, necessarily a, a place where you're mm-hmm. able to really discuss ideas and that's something that I've I've always tried to do that on my show is you know discuss ideas in a in a very open way but you know the fact is I was uh was slash am I don't know um you know very hardcore about my ideas too so I probably Exhibited some of those qualities along the road as well. So I never exclude myself from these criticisms that that I see of, of the movement or community or what have you. But I mean, do you do you get that feeling that if you were if you were maybe a, a progressive or a conservative or something, if you never kind of even dabbled in the libertarian circles? I don't think you'd, you wouldn't face the blocks. They would just tweet back and forth with you. You know, it's, it's, you need to be shunned and rejected when you've been in the community and then you become, you know, sort of a traitor.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and maybe capitalize on that, on that too, because in, in that, you know, being ostracized from a particular group, you actually might find a better group, which I believe I have, you know, of people who, you know, they may, may not agree with everything that, I'm saying or or you're saying, but at least they're coming at it in good faith and having a conversation. Because I, I don't know if I'm right. I'm just saying things. But if you if you're if you're gonna come at me and, and you'd be like, oh, that's just sophistry, or what are you? You're just rebranding statism. I'm like, well, what what does that bring to the conversation? Why are you here? What are you contributing to me and my life with that comment? Just go away. You know, there's no reason for it. So that's I think. I'm finding the people who want to have bigger conversations and distancing myself from those who just want to be snippy, right? And and the snippiness, I think, just comes from a place of insecurity where I, I'm going to generalize this and, and it's a working thesis. So I guess time will tell if it's true or not. I feel like the people who have like real life friends tend to not do that. Right. And the people who found their in their 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 only group of friends in Liberty Twitter tend to do it more. Right. Mm-hmm. So th- I, I don't want to say that's everybody because it, sur- it surely isn't. Cue the comments.
0: I have real life friends. Why are you talking about me?
1: Yeah, like like th- there's nothing about the Liberty community that is anything more than one of many communities that I'm part of. And it, I'm I'm grateful to be here. I'm thankful to be here. Uh, I appreciate everything that everyone has helped me learn over at least the last year and a half, if not the last 15. Um, but it's just one of many things I do, right? My identity is not wrapped up in libertarianism or the liberty community. That, that to me is a huge trap because that's when you start to become this religious ideologue that will, you know, go to battle like Joan of Arc for, you know, your, ide- your ideas or whatever. And, and a lot of those ideas are really bad ideas. Like they're just not well thought through ideas. And because if they were, we wouldn't have gone through the past 18 months. And and that's really been kind of my story is in the marketplace of ideas. People have have resoundingly chosen the opposite of your ideas. You know, not not you, but the king's you, you know, li- libertarianism had its time on my show. I gave it a full year ish, year and a half to have conversations with libertarians, people in the libertarian party, um, you know, folks who are like adamantly involved in politics and even close friends of mine sell me on this, work me through this. And, and they couldn't, they just couldn't sell me. And if they can't sell me and I'm already amenable to it, well, let's look at the, you know, 330 million people in the United States and you can just see why these ideas don't work. And if they don't work, let's talk about why, because the, the way I see it, there's a huge difference between the concepts of individual liberty and economic freedom and libertarianism, right? That's a big difference. If you want the result or the goal of your life's work to be individual liberty and economic freedom, it might very well be that libertarianism is not the avenue to take to get there. And and let's have that conversation and figure out how to get the results, not just the ideology that claims to get the results, but clearly fails every time it's implemented. Right? Let's break that down a little bit then. There's probably, not probably, almost definitely, there are people listening,
0: watching this uh, that are thinking, well, what's this guy talking about? Like, I, I want individual liberty. I, I want economic freedom. And that's what libertarianism is. That's what libertarianism supports philosophically. So where's the disconnect here? Why why are they wrong? Or what is, what is the problem with either the philosophy? Is it the philosophy of libertarianism that you say is flawed? Or would it be the approach of libertarianism? Or maybe both. Love libertarians,
1: I should say. Well, I, I guess it really depends on the person. You know, like, so I I guess my, my differentiation is, are you more concerned with being, being a libertarian or are you more concerned with achieving individual liberty and economic freedom? And one of those is results oriented, right? And, and the other one is just an identity that you have for yourself. And, you know, you can say you're a libertarian, you can say, I don't hurt people and and take their stuff, but you know, do you actually have liberty? Have you actually achieved what you would call liberty in your life? You know, it's like uh, if you meet an 800 pound, um, you know, slob that's got a YouTube uh, channel that about fitness, you know, and they're going to be like, well, I can preach all the principles of fitness, right? But you're you're a slob and you're fat and you're probably going to die really soon. Like, why would I listen to you if you haven't shown me proof of the fact that you can actually do the things you're talking about? Sure, you can, you know, if I wasn't looking at the screen, I might think you were a total, you know, CrossFitter or something. But what you're showing me that person on YouTube is that you're not actually living what you're talking about. You might be living it kind of, you know, like, but I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what that means. So if you're, if you're trying to achieve something, you have to like achieve it for yourself first, you know, and, and that's a lot of work. So it's just easier to conform to kind of this religious libertarian ideology that you can always fall back to as a crutch for just being morally consistent right? You say, well, I'm more, everything I say is consistent, you know, taxation is theft, all all this stuff, but you're not doing anything about it really. So what does it mean? Like, you know, like, like Pete says, uh, you'll be the most consistent libertarian on the privately owned box car. (laughs) Right. What does that even mean? So I, I think that can be interpreted as kind of like, 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 I don't know what I'm talking about, but the reason I feel like I do is because that was me for 15 years. I did that for 15 years, that exact thing. And then what bothered me so much about when the lockdowns came in in March of 2020, I went, man, I had, I've owned and operated like four concepts. I've done consulting work. I've had side hustles. How in the world is this affecting me? How, how is it possible right now that this is affecting my life? It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be affecting my life. How did I let this happen? And, and I said to myself, that this will never happen to me again. If a lockdown comes or a vaccine mandate or a passport or or mask mandates, I'm going to get to a position where this is not going to affect my life ever again. And, and that has been kind of the, the genesis of, of me kind of questioning a lot of other people's belief because that I did that. I literally didn't live the stuff I was talking about and I, and I, and I can't do that anymore. And I I don't want to say that I'm going to call people out because everybody's got their own journey. So I'm not going to like call someone an asshole for doing the asshole shit that I did for a decade and a half. But I think it just needs to be brought up again and again and again, because this this type of action is how you would actually achieve individual liberty and economic freedom. And then once you do that for yourself, then you can help other people do it. You know, and, and, and Jason Stapleton, I'll just think of a name is a great example of that. There's a reason why I'm in his nomad network. There's a reason why I give him money, right? Because he's proven to me that he can he can deliver results because he's done it for himself. That That is an enormous advantage over, you know, uh, somebody wor- working working minimum wage at Best Buy trying to tell me that I should read more Rothbard. And then I find out, you know, that seven tweets later that they've never even read Rothbard.
0: <laughs> to make it worse, they haven't even actually read it.
1: You know, or like they read half of Anatomy of the State, which is what, like a hundred pages, <laughs> which is a less an essay. Yeah, an essay. So yeah, I, I guess that's I don't know, did that kind of clear it up a little bit?
0: Yeah. I mean, no, I, I think I I went through something somewhat similar when the lockdown started and the job that I never even thought twice about because it always came easy to me, and I, I, you know, I never really questioned whether I'd be able be able to do it and make money if I chose or not to. Suddenly, I wasn't allowed to work at that job. Suddenly, I didn't really have. I had some other income sources that I've been working on, but not so much. I mean, not compared to even now. Uh, and I, I really had that revelation. Like here I am. I'm the lion of liberty. You know, I, I've been talking about this stuff, this philosophy for years and it was around that time that i not only started to change my my inner thought process about how to approach life like how am i going to sit here Cause it's easy. Like you said, it's easy to talk. It's so easy to start a podcast. I bought a microphone and I and I was done. I mean, it's it's the, one of the easiest things to do nowadays to start mm-hmm. a podcast. So that's not hard. That's not hard for me to take a microphone and and talk about these ideas and talk about how the world should be, talk about how life should be. But if I don't have that same freedom, then who who the fuck am I to be saying this stuff? And this is this is what was going through my head, and I, I was thinking, you know, I, I in the blink of an eye. I, I lost my entire income. You know, I lost... My ability—I lost my own freedom, and which means I never really had the freedom. That's what it really means: is that I never had it. If someone can just take it away that easily, I didn't really have it, and that really changed my approach in life. It it started me really taking a lot of things that I've thought to myself: oh, I should do this someday. I'm very much a procrastinator in life. I'm I'm someone. It took me six months to start this podcast after I decided to start the podcast, just because I I overthink and I think and then I rethink the other thing I thought. So. I've definitely spent time doing that during the pandemic as well but you know that that was when I first started to really really push myself and say okay you've been sitting here talking out of your ass for for eight years here maybe it's time to take some actions and i've definitely taken more actions in my personal life to try to make myself a lot more independent um to the point where now i'm i'm about to leave the country and i'm not i don't really have everything planned out but i'm not really worried about it because i know i'm gonna make it and i know that the the few things i've put in motion i'm gonna snowball those even more and i'm you no know, nothing's gonna hold me back from this and i've also tried to change my approach on the show as well um to really Talk to more people who've who've actually done things. you know, who've actually given themselves more freedom as well. I mean, we were just talking before the show. I, I don't think I think that was just in the pre-show chat. Um, the stuff all starts to kind of merge for me. But you know, you are actually about to exit the restaurant and bar industry, um, because you've done the same thing. Because you focused on finding yourself, not to uh, to to steal a phrase from John Odermat, but finding freedom for yourself in life. So maybe you can detail that a little bit, like the actions you've actually taken in your in your own life, and maybe we can get back to nitpicking libertarianism a little bit after that.
1: Sure. Uh, I, I mean, the, I never really, I, I guess I always just assumed the restaurant industry would be kind of there for me. Like it, it's like everybody does. It, it's something that you never think is going to go away. I just wanted to, I always set a goal of, of kind of retiring from that by 40 because I, I just felt like I'd, I'd, I'd accomplished all of the goals I set for myself. I'd done everything on the checklist and I, I didn't know what the next journey was going to, or the next step in the journey was going to be I set this goal years and years and years ago um, but I'd always had multiple side hustles going on I' assumed one of those would take off like I had a dog sitting business dog walking business for a while that paid like half of my income or I mean half of my bills um selling CBD like I've done a, lo- a lot of various side hustles and I just assume you know one of those will take off or maybe I'll do all of them but you know I just or maybe I'll I'll buy a little um, coffee shop in Florida or something and let somebody else run it you know with the savings i have built up or some bitcoin revenue um you know and, and but a lot of those side hustles were kind of beaten down by covid too you know it, it realigned the market so uh, drastically that i i started just kind of looking around for anybody i could connect with that might have an opportunity and just having met and and networked with thousands of people over 17 years in this industry 16 years in this industry um, kind of calling in some favors. Like, remember that time you offered me the thing in 2012 and I didn't want to do it? And and I ended up actually um, kind of inking a deal with a, a buddy of mine who's a headhunter for C-level uh, executives in the tech space, um, kind of matching clients to um, to people looking for work. And, And that's a completely mobile income job. You know, it's about four to five months to really knuckle down and kind of learn Cause I, I know how to do the head hunting cause I've done that before for the restaurant industry. I don't really know the tech space that well. So it's learning the terminology, learning how they, you know, the PC ways that they kind of market their, uh, their job titles and then, and then do that. Cause I, I once I nail that down, I can do that from anywhere and it's, it's, it's livable money plus. Um, and, and that's really cool. Like I, I just, I find that when, when I really tune myself, tune my energy, this sounds super new age, but tune my energy to my purpose. <laughs> when
0: you align, your chakras just right. You know, there, there's something really to
1: that, though, isn't there? When, when oh, I you know. Really, yeah, I say it mockingly,
0: yeah. but I also kind of fully believe
1: it. So. I know it's so corny, but it's so true that everything kind of just flows. And And this was a guy who'd been trying to get me to work uh, with him for a very, very long time. And I just said, I don't really know. It's restaurants, my thing. And, and it just all landed in my lap at once. And uh, I'm really excited for that. You know, I get to do it. From anywhere on the planet I want. And so my new goal, this is a pretty ambitious one. My new goal, new goal in, in, within five years is to own my own jet or plane. And I mean, that's a jet, goal, but like, I, I want to be able to fly wherever I want at any time. Like that's my new five-year goal. So, the, and, but I, I do have to kind of make the point that it, it doesn't end there for me. I mean, I, I do want to still see other people also achieve individual liberty and economic freedom. I don't quite yet know how to do that other than just sharing my story with people or the story with people. But I start to see more and more folks kind of wake waking up to wanting to achieve something in their own life. And I'll get a lot of texts and DMS and stuff from like, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? I'm like, well, maybe I'm not the best resource for that. Let me put you in touch with you know some friends of mine who are a little bit further along the path and, and maybe they can guide you and I can kind of work with you too. Um, we I don't want to see anyone affected by these draconian lockdowns and and government tyranny or even corporate tyranny, which is probably worse at this point. Um, so th- there's still a lot of work to do there, but I don't I don't think a good place to start is with people who haven't recognized the problem, like like you and I have, and and many others have. Like you have to have to kind of get there first, because I it's much easier to talk to to those people than it is those who are still kind of stuck in 2018 and they're just, they've just dug their heels in and they refuse to move. I think we kind of have to leave them behind, which is unfortunate, but whatever. I mean, it's it's all about individualism, right?
0: So much of um, what you're talking about um, really does come down to this idea of of building community. I mean, like all these people that you've connected with over the years, um, they reach out to you maybe because they feel you're a part of their community whatever, whatever however that might be defined uh, you know this guy that you know helped you end up getting this job that lets you be more free now that was part of your community building and you know um it reminds me of um our friend rachel uh rachel tobias sent us who you just had a great interview with by the way on your show sent us sent out a clip to us yesterday uh, from terrence mckenna where he was talking about um you know, how, especially now in this new age As uh, obviously before he passed away uh, with all this technology. I mean, now there is, there's no reason for anyone to be lonely or to feel lonely because we mm-hmm. can, no matter what our interest is, no matter what we want to achieve, no matter what we want to do in life, there are billions of people on this planet that we can connect with about those things. And that's, that's very much in some ways what mm-hmm. podcasting has become. I mean, for me, like so much of the Lions of Liberty community and the people I've connected with, I mean... 30 years ago, I would never know any of these people. I, I would never even you know my community would just be whoever I happened to live near and who happened to associate with in whatever I did in life, you know, whatever job I happened to go to, but now we can really put ourselves out there and connect with whoever, whoever, whoever our energy draws them to, to get a little new agey again, you know, whoever, whoever feels the connection, whoever feels the vibration can go, you know, you know, can go find each other. And I think the, the way forward in no matter if it's a physical community, which I think in many ways it's going to have to be as well. I think we're going to have to sort of congregate together physically in, in actual neighborhoods that we sort of take over to really, you know, achieve more, actual liberty in our our sort of physical material lives. But at the same time, there's also that need to connect with people of like-minded beliefs and and like-minded wants and desires. And we're able to do that now. And I think the more we can put this, this vibe out there, the energy out there, and the more we can attract our own community to ourselves, the more ironically enough by by collectivizing ourselves with others that's how we're going to be able to achieve individual liberty for ourselves and I think that is I don't know if it's a flaw in the philosophy of libertarianism but it is a flaw in the mindset of many individual libertarians this idea Mm. of I'm the rugged individual I'm going to go it alone I'm going to take care of myself you can do that and people can do that people can go buy a cabin in the woods be self-sufficient live on their own and I fully support anyone who, who would prefer to live that way but the fact is we are human and we're social creatures and we need each other. And most of us need other people. We need family. We need friends. We need community. And I think, you know, one of the be- one of the greatest things about the world we live in right now is that it's easier to find that community than ever.
1: Yeah, man. Wow, there's a lot there. Um, I, I agree with that and definitely agree with Terrence McKenna. Somehow I, I must have missed that message because I was working last night. But um it- it's amazing though that. It, while these opportunities exist like no other time in human history, when you look around at just society in general, I mean, one would have to think that very few people are taking advantage of that opportunity, right? That people seem en masse to be uh, very detached and uh, very lacking in meaning and purpose and community and society, right? That that, yes, like we, we, you and I and and many others recognize the opportunities here to create Basically create the community that you want, uh, especially with, with COVID kind of exacerbating this sort of national divorce, even if the country literally doesn't split up, it's probably going to geographically split up. Um, But man, man, are there a lot of people who just are trying to fill that God-shaped hole in their heart with, with these materialist ideas and, and they're not taking advantage of of that opportunity. And, and that's really sad. It, It actually, I think, you know, technology has helped the remnant get where we need to be and it's really hurt i think most people it's really taken the soul out of society um which you know in in a way is maybe another sign of gatekeeping because it sort of gives you that you can sort of spot the people with the aura around them that have seized on the opportunity cuz they're so easy to spot in this like just group of sheep wandering around with these meaningless lives um or you know you know w- wearing seven masks on their face or something like it's so easy to spot So, yeah, I I, uh, that's interesting. I I hadn't I don't really I didn't really listen to a lot of Terrence McKenna, but he's right. And I wish more people would take advantage of that because it's it's an opportunity that we've never had.
0: Well, you know what else you got to take advantage of? Those are all the amazing discounts and deals you get from our awesome sponsors here at Lions Liberty. And one more amazing deal you get is from our friends at Lorenzati Italy. Lorenzati Italy is the number one place for you to stop and order some fine premium Italian coffees delivered right to your door in these neat little tins. And if that wasn't enough, you get to do so knowing you are helping a sponsor of this program. And if that weren't enough, you get to order using your Lions of Liberty discount code. That discount code is ROAR, and it gets you 10% off your order. So head on over to Lorenzotti.coffee and use discount code ROAR. For 10% off, some frying premium Italian coffees. Mm-mm-mm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I, I want to focus on, on the one phrase you used here. The God-shaped hole in your heart. Because, I, I mean, for me, I mean, I, I think you've said something along these lines that libertarianism – I think you've actually said I, – I, I've heard the phrase libertarian has an atheism problem. I think you might have said the phrase libertarianism is an atheism problem or, or something along those lines. But, I mean, for many years, I mean, most of my life, I'd say most of my adult life, I, I was definitely considered myself an atheist. And I can definitely say that libertarianism became my religion. Being a Ron Paul person became my religion. It's what I was a zealot about. It's what I had to push upon people. It's what – it became my identity for a long time in many ways. And I can now kind of see as I've, I I don't subscribe to any particular religion, but I've definitely embraced the concept of spirituality in the last couple of years. And I've ah, been on my own exploratory journey. I've talked about that in a few other podcasts. Uh, But I, I, I think that everybody I think we all have this this hole to fill somewhere. And if it's not filled by some kind of spirituality, some kind of connection to something beyond here, then it's going to be filled by something else. And that's something else might be, you know, it might be crack. It might be wearing seven masks. It could be so many different things. But I think that you can find that this consistently, you know, you can find when when someone is getting really overzealous about something, there's a decent chance that they don't have that that part of them to it. So I, I'm curious how your own journey has gone in that regard. I mean, did, did, were you raised religious? Um, when did when did that really become a more important part of your life and how is, or how is that always factored in?
1: Well, I was, um, I don't want to say I was raised Roman Catholic, but I I definitely, we went to church and I went to Catholic school K through eight. When when I graduated high school, my father told me that the reason he agreed to have, to have me go to Catholic school or to be involved in Catholicism was was so that I'd have something to reject when I got older instead of him. (laughs) And, uh, he was begrudgingly a deist, maybe, I don't know, or, or he was a philosophy professor, mythology, like humanities and stuff. Uh, it was kind of hard to tell where, where he landed on all that stuff. But as somebody who's just sort of generally built to rebel, um, I, w- I would have said all I knew of religion was, was Roman Catholicism growing up. And I just adamantly rejected it. I just, this is stupid. This is silly. I don't, you know, I, I didn't even call, I wouldn't have even known what an atheist was. I just thought it was all dumb.
0: Was that just like a gut reaction to you? Like this just feels like, you know, people feeding me a line of bullshit.
1: You know what? I don't even think I took it that far. I just wanted to play sports. Like, I just didn't want to do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a lot of control and unnecessary control and, and an unnecessary work. Uh, I, I did read like a lot of occult literature or mystic literature when I got kind of in my high school years. And I found that. What are stuff we talking
0: really here? A little Alistair Crowley or what?
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Crowley, The Golden Dawn, Israel Regardi. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I read the, you know, Kabbalistic texts and Sufi Islam and a lot of those things back way back then we're talking like over 20 years ago. Um, and I found that stuff very fascinating, but I didn't, I didn't explore it in the way that I've explored it the last year and a half, which is, which is trying to figure out, you know, why, why human beings act the way that we act. And that's been a lot of like, uh, anthropology studies, sociology studies, Uh, religious studies and and really looking at like the Bible exegetically and trying to figure out what was it written for? Why was it written the way it was written? Uh, Why do human beings seem to have this need to gravitate toward worship? Why? why? Because, you know, and and then I would look at like the new atheists and the new atheists are a reaction to Protestant fundamentalism, which is a reaction to rational deism, which is a reaction to the church around like you know, the, the middle ages, which is a reaction to the dark ages, which is a reaction to the fall of the Roman empire, which is a react, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and working myself back through, through history, through this like backwards Hegelian dialectic, trying to figure out how we got here. And it seems like, like, you know, the, the rational facts and logic people would look at, you know, the Incas or the Aztecs or the ancient Egyptians or you know some some somebody like that and, and call them you know backwards tribalistic animals or you know even people living in the middle east now i mean I, I heard that when i was in the military like animals just a bunch of animals and i probably would have agreed with that back then i mean i literally went to afghanistan and I, i'm sure i said at some point like what the fuck is wrong with these people mm-hmm. and really not look at it the way i'm looking at it now which is super unfair to them uh They're probably thinking,
0: what's wrong with these people
1: showing up here with all all these guns and tanks? And (laughs) A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And isn't it interesting, you know, just to sidetrack real quick. Isn't it interesting that like there's a, a branch of the populist right in this country that has more in common with the Taliban than they do with the people running their own government? Like that is a fascinating like 20 years ago. I mean, you couldn't have had a bigger divide between the Taliban and the, and the, and the, and the right wing in the country, populist right wing. And now it seems like they're almost kindred spirits. Yeah.
0: It's like I can see where you guys are coming from now. Okay.
1: <laughs> right. Like I know that, that sounds like such a weird thing to say. It sounds weird for me to hear that coming out of my mouth, but
0: probably get us put on a list somewhere, but that's all right. I'm sure I'm on a few.
1: Like it's, it, it's just, um, trying to figure, so trying to figure out that worship thing out. And, and when you realize that, you know, all of these atheists or, or pretend Christians or, you know, people who follow Christianism, I think is a Vin Armani word that, um, you know, Fauci becomes the high priest. The mask becomes like your rosary beads. The, the Vax become the jab. Sorry. I shouldn't have said that if you're on YouTube, uh, the thing you put in the thing is sort of like the baptism. And, and so all of these sacraments, all of these uh, kind of ways that religion work, they still play themselves out in a world that rejects God, right? So I I look at it and I go, I don't know if God's real. I I, I have no idea. There's no way I could ever conceptualize God because I can't live outside of it and look in and and call it something. So I think there's like a, I guess you maybe take Pascal's wager and you err on the side of, of the road that takes you toward structure and order and happiness and veer away from the road that takes you to chaos and disorder. And you realize that that seems to have been throughout all of human history, the reason for all of these religious texts or these religious rituals that people had to go through. It was to keep them on a path that made them strong and determined and fruitful in a very cold and brutal world. And, Since the enlightenment, we have lost that because we have tried to rationalize ourselves to the truth and whether or not there actually is a truth, trying to rationalize yourself to it seems to be a really bad way to have a productive society as, as we're seeing it collapse into total degeneracy and disorder.
0: Ooh, let's see. There's a lot of, a lot of directions to go here. I I, I think, what's yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that, that's, that's perfect. I'd rather have a lot of directions than not enough directions to go. You <laughs> know, When I hit that's a perfect. wall, I'm like, yeah,
1: well, I don't know <laughs> what to say anymore. Um, I've spent so many hours. I feel like just going through this on, on my show that it, I, I'm distilling it into like a five minute clip is so, very difficult mm-hmm. to do because they're really big ideas that, that you're asking. And, um, Maybe I'll I'll try to work in the future on I'm, I'm trying to nail that down to a clip clip worthy uh, sentence or two.
0: I think what a lot of atheists might might say to this is they'd say, "Well, okay, you don't you don't know that God's real, so you don't really know if this stuff is true or what have you." So, and you're suggesting that over the you know over the, the lifespan of of, of human the civilizations that, yeah, maybe maybe these stories or mythologies or spirituality, whatever you want, it might want to call it. Maybe it has created order in certain societies, but just because of that, that doesn't make it right. It could still be untrue and it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not good to delude yourselves and, and to give yourself some kind of tell yourself some kind of false tale. And we should always, you know, try to only grasp what we can see what we can, what we know, what we know is true and we shouldn't be just, going to tell people stories just to tell them stories, just to act better. Um, that's, that's kind of my summary of what I might've said five years ago, maybe, but uh, some, something mm-hmm. to that respect, like, how can you reject rationality and, and logic as, as the basis for everything? How can you accept something that you can't really, that you, you can't really uh,
1: quantify? Right. Because I realized that the inevitable religious aspect of anything is going to occur anyway, right? Atheists have their own religion. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't want to call it that. But it follows all the same cycles and patterns of every other actual named religion. So, seeing that, you know, enlightenment atheism or, you know, deism or something like that, it is its own version of a religion. They just don't have a God, right? So, if you have a religion based solely around yourself, I mean, I I don't think that that's going to be very beneficial to society. I mean, I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing that play out right now. So yeah, can I prove it? No. Do I believe it? Yeah, because I I think it's a better thing to believe in than the other thing, right? If I just feel like the path of order is something worth having faith in and the path to disorder is not worth having faith in. And if they would like to have faith in the path, path of disorder, more power to them, we're just not going to move on the same path and we're going to find ourselves probably at, at at loggerheads at some point. You know, uh, no, I don't know. And I don't care. Right. It's 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 all about the story. If the story works, if the story gets you to where you want to go, and people want to call that being diluted, whatever, man. If it gets me to a good place, then fuck you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely say when i i'd say when i really became um a fervent ron paul supporter 2007 2008 i had been reading his writing for years so i was i was primed at the pump when he announced he was running for president and then actually got on tv the rudy giuliani moment yada 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 mm-hmm. um i definitely didn't have my own sort of i didn't have anything i i worshipped in life really i i kind of just i had nothing really i was just going through life you yeah. know going to my job uh, going out to the bar um you know i i I had friends. I, that was my life, but I didn't I didn't have anything I believed in necessarily and that became the thing I believed in. And I can see looking back that that's what filled the hole for me. You know, you know, Ron Paul became my religion. And maybe we can argue that any religion or any any kind of spiritual path might have its own set of delusions and maybe that's true but i was probably deluding myself too into thinking you know supporting ron paul for president in 2008 and i don't regret it i mean it it was a great time what can i say but and it's a time i had to go through but you know that was that was my God in a way, not Ron Paul necessarily, but the Ron Paul movement, um, mm. seeing this thing flourish, whatever this thing is, that was my mission in life. That was what I was, um, you know, that's what I was a preacher for. That's what I was an evangelist for. So even as I'm sitting there thinking I'm an atheist, well, I, I was certainly fervently believing in something and something captured me. And I think you're, you're right. Like no matter what, no matter what we might believe or want to believe about what human Justin, uh, our, our, my friend, Justin Campbell, who does all our promo clips, he made a comment here that I'll post. Uh, he says humans are aren't rational or logical by nature and i think that's the heart one of the hardest things for many of us especially people like me and probably like you that like we consider ourselves or at least i have considered myself very irrational very illogical and we certainly have those tools in our arsenal we're able to use those in in you know limited circumstances but to act like we're acting ragi- you know rationally or logically that's a delusion too to, to, to think that humans act that way um we don't we we do what we want for some reason um and then we go back and create a logic that that connects it so we can say oh yeah uh i I took this trip because you know i I, xyz reason and it was uh, i spent the money because it made sense because of these reasons well in reality you just wanted to go take that trip and then you you went back and filled in the blanks and made all the reasons so you know Mm -hmm. we we rationalize ourselves into thinking we're rational but you know it doesn't that doesn't take long of looking into you know human psychology and human um, anthropology and all this to see like humans don't really act rationally. So again, whether you want to accept that or not doesn't change that it's true. Whether you want to accept that there's a god-filled hole in everyone's heart doesn't really change that it's true and and we can see that it's true by looking at at how people act and w- looking at how civilizations kind of unfold and that's definitely been an area that i become fascinated in and uh you know you you also dedicated uh, like a series of podcasts to to looking at the bible so maybe we can dig more specifically and I, I don't think anybody i don't think you're saying it has to be a specific religion or a specific text necessarily here but for you the looking through the Bible has been something that is really, um, I think opened your eyes to a lot of things. And I, I even years ago, I started to get into a uh, Jor- Jordan Peterson's Bible series. And that, that taught me to, to look at it a different way, at least a way on a higher level than, Oh, this is just some book that was written to control people that the same atheist bullshit line that I said for much of my life. And I can now realize, well, even whether it's just stories or just mythology there's meaning there and maybe it's not everyone's cup of tea but there's certainly mm. meaning there and certainly more than you know just a dumb book so what what are some of the the takeaways that you have just from really doing a very very deep dive a series of deep dives uh, you know on the bible
1: well i you know i chose the bible because it was the book i was the most familiar with that other people would be familiar with i mean it seems pretty obvious probably the most recognized book ever in human history and i had a, a really good friend that was telling a, telling uh, the story in a way that I thought was very entertaining, and and so we, it just made for a really good a really good mix for that series. Um, but I, as far as my general concept, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I mean, I do Christian stuff, but I I wouldn't label myself that. I think there's something to. Are you familiar with like capital T traditionalism? Something like the. I'm going to name two people that just because I think the names might be familiar to people, like Alexander Dugan or um, Steve Bannon, maybe would like call themselves a traditionalist, Uh, and not the political realm, but essentially it's the idea that basically every world religion—Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Islam, Christianity, Judaism—that they're all kind of tapped into a part of the larger truth. They've all kind of found their little inroad into something that is completely uh, not 100% comprehendable. And in, by looking at different religions and how they've how they've worked out their rituals and their traditions and practices, you can kind of move yourself closer to this ethereal or eternal truth. And, and I think that's a really interesting idea that because if you look at them, they're all trying to achieve the same thing. They're just doing it in different ways and they all kind of sprouted up I mean, except for Christianity and, and Islam, like a lot of the world religions, Taoism um, is an, another one, right? Like they all kind of sprung up independent of each other, and yet they're all trying to seek the same thing, you know. Even like, uh, like astrological symbols or whatever, like it, we're all—they're all trying to achieve the same goal. So I think that probably has more truth to it than just saying like, you know, Judaism is the way, like uh, fundamental Islam is the way. But one of the distinctions that I would make is it seems to me and I've said this a few times on, on shows that or- Eastern Orthodox Christianity has found, at least for the, you know, at least for our, our particular conversation, the best life hack. Or maybe it's gotten further into that ethereal void or, or, or eternal energy than, than the other ones. And maybe that's why it becomes so appealing. To people at this particular stage in, in history, because it just works better to get to that place than a lot of the other vehicles, a lot of the other religions. Uh, and I haven't explored Buddhism or Hinduism as deeply as I'd like to, but I think their Eastern Orthodox Christianity seems to be much more connected to that than it is to Roman Catholicism or Judaism.
0: That, that's really interesting that you say that because Buddhism and Hinduism are in some ways some people wouldn't even call Hinduism a, a religion necessarily. It's more like a, a series of traditions and stories that that become loosely connected in some ways, but uh, more like a way of life, I guess. But, you know, there it's 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 at that those are the religions that I have become the most fascinated with and connected to, while at the same time I've I've found myself relating to and I don't know, spiritually connecting with many people who Practice that more—that of that Eastern Orthodoxy, you know, people like you, people like Vinarmani. I mean, that—that that is, uh, Cyprian, My apologies. Uh, that—that that is, you know, I—I I find myself, and I'm not—I don't subscribe to Buddhism or Hinduism either. They're just religions I've really become immersed in a lot more, and and practices I've become immersed in a lot more, and ones that I've felt that connection to. And it's—it's it's just really interesting. I've never heard anyone make that that direct connection, but it's one that I, I've personally experienced.
1: Yeah, it, it's um, I'd I like to do it more. I mean, I, I feel like I'm not. I'm not going to ever pick one. You know, I'm never going to, I don't think I'm ever going to call myself a Buddhist or something, but there, there's definitely something beautiful you can pick out of all of these things. Um, There's nothing beautiful you can pick out of the Church of Woke. So if if people are looking for a distinction between a materialist, atheist religion and something that actually has real meaning and purpose and spiritual, you know, spiritual significance for their lives, um, I think that's probably the easiest. Clippy way to to state it, right? Like, you know, Fauci will not be remembered in two thousand years as a hero, and if he is, we're fucking toast. Yeah, we're we're in trouble if if that's the case. Um, let's. I want to circle back and bring this
0: conversation back into libertarianism, back into how your how this sort of journey you've been on here through you know creating your more individual liberty in your own life, uh, sort of exploring a lot of these religious concepts. How has that strengthened your sort of the way you've, I don't know, I wouldn't say left libertarianism necessarily, however you want to put it, but has made you see libertarianism as a political philosophy, a political philosophy devoid of God, devoid of the um, the spiritual that is is purely a materialist philosophy. How has it seen you look at that differently? And why do you think that it's not? even necessary to have if you maybe have more of a connection to that spiritual side of things?
1: Well, I guess we'd have to look at what libertarianism is, right? And, and I know there's a bunch of different ways to define this, but for the sake of your question, this is probably the best one. Um, it, it's a return to, in my, in my head, a return to some sort of um, base level classical liberalism with a newer understanding of economics kind of worked into it. And and this is only something that's like 70 years old because prior to Rothbard libertarianism and you know anarchism is generally all left-wing stuff. So he he basically switched this around to turn it into a right-wing ideology that's supposed to go back to some idea of classical liberalism. Um the problem with liberalism as uh, a few people, I'll, I'll say, Matt Erickson's been really good at, at kind of defining this. I, I might not do it do it justice or say it the same way he would say it, but uh, I think liberalism in general is just a mistake, right? I, I don't, I I know how it came about, like the the Cartesian kind of philosophy and the evolution of of liberalism, but liberalism also gave birth to communism and socialism and a bunch of other really bad ideas. So I I don't know if returning to the start of that or a more fundamentalist idea of it is a really good idea in and of itself right i don't think it goes back far enough so maybe if you could snap like libertarianism into effect all over now you might end up like something like 1776 america something like that and that, i don't know if that really fixes anything because then 250 years later you're right back here again <laughs> right. so I, that, that's kind of the well, my sort of issue with right. it. Like, you, yeah, you might prolong it you know, a couple hundred years, but I think you're going to be right back in the same place. I would think the the way to go is to just go back further than that and try to figure out how in this modern technologically advanced world, we can incorporate the ideas, the rituals, and the practices of the ancients into this and try to form some kind of a hybrid society where we still get The ability, like you said, to connect with anybody on the planet at any time, but also don't lose a sense of what we are literally biologically programmed to be. And and so that's kind of where my head is at. I think in general, libertarianism kind of doesn't go back far enough. Now, that doesn't mean for me that the idea of individual liberty and economic freedom is necessarily the same thing, because I think you can go back to ancient times and you you can see those two ideas play out over and over again. I think they can be got they can be gotten to separately from like this political idea or this socioeconomic idea of, of libertarianism.
0: Yeah, And I think that maybe maybe the ideal in some way is when we really embrace the spiritual, whatever that might be for every individual or any community or whatever works for people um cuz you know the the tool of technology you know it's a tool that can go either way it can it could probably be used to completely separate us from the spiritual it can be used to to completely mm-hmm. disconnect us even while it's connecting us or if we can embrace that while while using that technology to further connect to further build communities both physical and virtual around the globe the globe um then i maybe that is the best the best kind of direction we can try to go or try to push people in
1: yeah i think so and it also helps you kind of see how, you know, the Fauci's of the world, they they use, and I think they know they do this, but probably not for the reasons that I know they do it. They're using mystical techniques to control you anyway, right? They're you that those, so those techniques go all the way back to like the high priests and in biblical times. Um, so it's not like we're, we've lost the ability to do this. We just have to harness that power for good and realize that these other lizard people, these non-humans that are, are, you know, racking all of this power over you that they're using it for evil and use those terms, use good and use evil. Don't, don't let, don't be scared of that, right? Embrace this. Like you, you don't have to go full on David Ike, right? But, (laughs) but you can, but but metaphorically, (laughs) metaphorically, what he's saying makes a lot of sense. I mean, that goes all the way back to the, the sons of God and daughters of men in Genesis. Like he's invoking that same, that same idea of the giants of the fallen angels in the, in the lizard people. It's the same story. Yeah. So even if you want to look at it metaphorically, there's a reason that story is being told, was being told and needs to be told, right? So that you don't follow these fucking lunatic sociopaths. like, And you recognize what that is as evil and then embrace the mysticism in your own way, like your, the messaging and the marketing or the sales or whatever you want to word mystic into, into pulling people into something that it develops real meaning and purpose in their life instead of going for those lizard people and that darkness.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure the – I'm honestly not sure the approach should be any different if lizard people in the David Icke sense or demons or whatever you – people – whatever term people might use is literal. If they're literally demons or literally Mm. lizard people, I'm not sure that would change the approach any from the fact if it's just used as a descriptor or a metaphor or whatever to describe the way these people act. And either either way, that's what they are. They're lizard people either way. So, I mean, to – you know, I think either way, it's the same approach
1: is going to be needed with. That. I, I 100% agree. So let's that's, just pretend they're lizard I, people either way. You know, it's more interesting. That's why I've always said or I've, I've started to say lately that it's it's the story that matters. Mm-hmm. The story matters. That facts and logic don't matter. That if you're hung up on facts and logic and charts and graphs, you don't have a grasp of the story and you're not going to be able to get where you want to go. Yeah, it's a trap. It's an absolute trap to get caught in the number game. Numbered game in the logic game it's it's all about the story and it's it's always the same story just it's got different names for the characters but it's the same story every time
0: yeah, that's why. I mean, God bless my friend Tom Woods. I love what he's done over the years. I, I but I for the past year and a half, he's been beating himself over the head and beating every you know, putting out all the charts and collecting all the data and showing everybody over and over, look, the mask mandates don't work, the lockdowns don't work. And I, I'll see him like tweet something mm-hmm. exasperated, like, "How are these people not seeing this when it's so clear?" But that's why, because it's. It doesn't matter. The the facts, the logic, the charts, that's not what moves people. That's not what sways people. The effective story does. And the people that aren't being swayed by the ch- the charts and the graphs, like people like me and you that, that already might agree a certain you know with, with that point of view. We see that and it confirms what we already believe. So that works for us. It's it's good red meat for us. But it's not swaying anybody that's bought a completely different narrative because they've bought into a religion and they, you know, you're not gonna show someone a fact or chart to explain to them why Jesus isn't real or why. <laughs> Why God isn't real. So why would you expect anything different when dealing with the church of woke or the lizard people or whatever you want to call them?
1: A thousand, a thousand percent. Right. And, and, and Tom has done, I mean, probably the best, uh, collection of work on this of anybody I can think of. And, and it's, it's incredible how, you know, if you were dealing with people who were not locked into, to a religion that it would be a it'd be over it would have been be over a long time dunk. ago this thing would be done slam dunk i mean it, it, it's done all a year correct. and a half ago but yes you you are right if you if you go to you know go to tibet and sit down with you know the monks or the dalai lama and and just uh show him some charts and and he's gonna go oh yeah no actually let's let's walk down from the mountain we'll go to walmart we i had this all wrong <laughs> You know, so what am I doing in
0: this temple? This is, you're right. I had this all wrong. You
1: said it exactly right. So it's, you know, when, when libertarians, right, can break themselves of this trap and start to tell the story or their story or any fucking story at this point, then, then maybe there'll be some inroads to get people to actually listen. But if you're going to try to, like you said, try to beat people over the head or beat yourself over the head with facts and logic, uh, you're really just going to end up going insane. It's not, going to accomplish anything and like you said it's preaching to the choir the choir already knows like you and i already know that those facts and log- those uh, charts and graphs are true you know it's good to have like on a file on your computer if you ever need to bring it up but you know you want you want to battle god with that i don't think it's going to work right
0: Right. Well, Adam, uh, you're going to be at least, um, you know, continuing to tell your version of the story on uh, on your show. You're talking over me. So why don't we at least make sure that the people that have taken the time to watch this entire interview or listen to this whole interview have gotten to this point of it. Let's uh, let's try to make sure they can type it the right way and search for it the right way. So why don't you let everybody know how they can find your show. You're talking over me and, uh, you know, feel free to plug away on anything else you want to, you want to uh, get out there. If you want to give your Twitter out, I don't know. You might have mixed thoughts about the Twitter
1: thing now, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, feel free to plug away on anything you got. All right. So uh, it's, you're talking over me. It's Y E R talking with no G over me spelled correctly. Um, and there's an exclamation exclamation point, but I don't think it matters. <laughs> uh, so you're talking over me with Adam Patrick. You can get it on any podcast or YouTube, anywhere you get anything um or you can go to yourtalkingoverme.com and that's got a a player on there as well and you can actually turn I think you can close the phone and it still plays like if you're paying for youtube or whatever <clears throat> and uh twitter is i am adam patrick i'm absolutely happy to talk to anybody uh if you're an asshole i'm just i'm not even going to respond i'm really not it, it, it's i have a life i have beautiful family i have two wonderful dogs i work for a living I'm not a Twitter junkie. I'm on it 15 minutes a day tops. I literally time myself. So I like to use that time wisely. I got to start doing
0: that. I got to start timing myself because I Dude, I have so this problem. Cool. If I see a notification, like something in my brain can't not see what it is. So I got to, I got to stop.
1: It, it's one of those things where you have to just pick like five minutes, three times a day and try to get it all done then. Or like I do, I, I wait till I'm done with work. I got out of work at like one in the morning and I just do all of it then. And um, yeah, and I'm hoping to start a Substack called uh, Accordium at some point. And I have a whole bunch of writing on my computer. I just have to edit it and put it up there. So if anybody wants to check that out at some point, Substack.com slash Accordium, A C C O R D I U M. Hopefully, there'll be something there of value for you to read. And I think that's it.
0: All right, Adam. Well, it's been a, been an absolute blast talking to you. Uh, we will we will communicate more as the as the days and years go on. I'm sure. But uh, in the meantime, keep up the great work. Keep on roaring, man.
1: I really appreciate it, Mark. Man, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> All right, kiddies. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Adam Patrick. And uh, I will say, I speak this uh, I speak this from the heart. I speak this truly. I really do want to recommend checking out. Adam's podcast, you're talking over me. One thing that I've always been attracted to and always appreciated are people that approach topics, approach subjects from different viewpoints, and really put a lot of thought into everything they're looking at, whether it's philosophy, uh, current events, their own life. And that's something I can definitely say that Adam does uh, with his show. So if you're looking for something that's not really just the straight old liberty fire every single week, then, well, I hope you want to stick around to this show where you're not going to get that same old thing every single week. But as well, while you're here, while you're out browsing the internet, do want to encourage you to check out Adam Patrick's work at You're Talking Over Me. But hey, don't forget there's more content here on this very feed. You got three hosts spitting their own special brand of Liberty three days a week. Of course, I'm here every single Monday with the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. Been doing this thing for over eight freaking years now. On Wednesdays, we have Brian McWilliams slapping you upside the head with his acerbic brand of comedy, culture and liberty with electric Liberty Land. While Odie, John Odermatt, wraps things up on Thursdays with his journey looking at how himself and others are helping to find their own freedom. Every Thursday on Finding Freedom, you get all three of these shows for the price of one. The price is free. Just slap that subscribe button. Claw at that motherfucker. Get that thing. Hit it. Don't miss a show. It's free. What more can you ask for? Well, you can ask for more. If you want more, you can head over to our Patreon because for as little as $5 a month, you get all sorts of bonus content, including live streams of many of our episodes. This one was streamed live to the Lions of Liberty Pride. You also get bonus shows like Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, all sorts of goodness behind that paywall for as little as a measly five bucks a month. You can afford that, guys. If not, well, heck, you gotta stop being poor. That's all I can say. That's all I've got for you this week. Until next time, kiddies, don't forget to... (laughs) and live free.